It's Dosa Cero for the fourth time at Columbus Crew Stadium for the U.S. men's national team. And with the victory and a little bit of help, they have earned their right to the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? How's it going, Garrett? It's going well, man. Uh, look at you, Mr. World Traveler, dude. How you doing? How you holding up? I'm a little tired, man. I got to admit, uh, I just got back from Columbus. And uh, I think it's like nine flights in the past uh, four weeks. And I'm ready to just chill out at home for a while. But I got to say, it was a great trip. Costa Rica was amazing, even though the team U.S. team lost uh, down there. But, uh, you know, they came right back and they beat Mexico. And it's just crazy to, for them to do it again. 2-0 for the fourth straight time. It's the third straight time that I've been there for it. And it's just it's just crazy, you know, the, the, the way it, it just kind of works out to be the same score line. Even, you even had a Clint Dempsey penalty miss at the mm-hmm. very end to keep it 2-0. And, uh, you know, the U.S. is going to Brazil. I, I know the reaction on on Twitter from everyone was was funny when when he earned that PK. It was like miss it, miss it. We got to keep up with the tradition. But nonetheless, USA becomes the tenth team in the world to qualify for the World Cup. And and Ivis, you put out a great tweet last night. I think it was right after the game. I don't think we'll ever have a national stadium in America, and we should never have one because our country's too big, and I think it's a good opportunity for a lot of cities and fans to see the U.S. men's national team. That being said, the game against Mexico on American soil is always going to be the most important game, and you said it best in the tweet, that the game against Mexico should never, ever, ever be taken away from the Columbus Crew Stadium. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I know, and it's funny, you know, obviously there is a, there are a contingent of fans specifically folks from Seattle mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a sprinkling in some other places that feel that a game that important should not, you know, should be shared and should be moved around. And I know the folks in Seattle feel they could do a good job and I, I'm sure they could do a good job, but the fact remains crew stadium with the history you have there four straight times, four straight wins, two zero wins. You can't move it. And it's not just about about the tradition of the, the of the, the score lines, right? It's the tradition of the crowds that you get there. And, and people get way too caught up on the final tally of what the attendance is and, and suggest that, well, you know, it'd be much better to have it at a stadium where you can hold twice as many fans. You only hold 24, 25,000 fans at, at Crew Stadium. But it's not just about the total number, folks. It's about the fact that where Columbus, Ohio is, mm-hmm. is in decent proximity to a lot of Americans. You got folks from the East Coast, from the Midwest, from the South, uh, who can all go and converge in Columbus. And that's what you have there. You have, I mean, from what I understand, you had fans representing from all 50 states in Columbus. And there's not many places you can have that happen. And that, and, and for that reason, uh, among others, that's why, you know, I just don't see why they should move it. And honestly, I don't know if they ever will move it. I don't, again, I agree with you. I, unless they move it to Phoenix, that that's my only... Uh... Jesus, yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> That'd be, be like a sea of green, let's be honest. <laughs> I know, it would be. Um, but the atmosphere, though, Ivis, was... I mean, we'll talk about the game in a second, just quickly. The, I mean, I noticed that the pregame festivities, I heard there was like a Project X party, almost, and then, and then the pregame festivities and the fans, the American Outlaws, the TIFO... I mean, you got to experience all of that firsthand. I mean, what what was that like in Columbus? Well, the whole thing was 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 pretty high energy, and and it, the, it, as Tim Howard pointed out uh, after the game, it, it, there, there's just so much history uh, behind the whole U.S. Mexico game in Columbus. When you're talking about 2001, 2005, 2009, 
and now 2013, it's an event that people do not want to miss. And, and you know, whether they have tickets or not, you have folks coming in from all over the country uh, to just take part in everything. And because of that, now you have these events surrounding the game that, that are, you know, almost as exciting. I mean, I can tell you that the, the night before American Outlaws Party in Columbus was all was was it was crazy it was crazy in a good way it was uh you know uh, the turnout was i think bigger than any any pre-game party that i've been to and i try to i make it a point to try to go to all of them well let's talk about the game a little bit as as we said before the u.s with the victory and some help are now the 10th the part of 10 teams to qualify for the World Cup in Brazil. The game against Costa Rica, you know, once I, I want to apologize to everyone who listens to our show, our, our loyal listeners. Uh, my computer died and I had to bring it back from absolute death. It's it's going to survive for hopefully another couple months before I get a new computer. So everyone apologize that we didn't have any shows after Costa Rica before Mexico, but Ivis and I are back in action. The, the setup is a little bit more medieval this time around, but the show will go on. Uh, no matter what. But, Ivis, with the game against Mexico, though, we saw a lot of improvements, though. Um, you know, I think there were a lot of questions about people saying, you know, Tim Howard shouldn't be starting or, or some questions about the midfield. I thought Jermaine Jones had a much better game against Mexico. But when you watched the team and, and you saw how the team performed and stepped up in the right moments against a desperate Mexico team, when it could have gone either way, you know, what, what did you come away with and press with the most as far as player performance? Well, I mean, I, I think of the guys who stepped up. I don't know if anyone was surprised by who stepped up. I mean, Tim Howard has done it through the years. He's come up in some of the biggest games in the history of this team. Uh, so you, you had to expect him to rebound. You know, he, he had a bad game against Costa Rica. He even admitted himself uh, on Tuesday night. You know, but a player like him, a goalkeeper like him, who plays as many games as, as he plays, is going to have bad games here and there. And, and the key to being a successful goalkeeper is to, is to try to not have too many of those. But they're going to happen. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, the best of the best in the world will have bad games here and there. So he had a bad game, but he responded. He kept the team in the game uh, in the first half against Mexico. Mexico was, didn't exactly dominate the first half, but they created some good chances, and Tim Howard was there for every one of them. So you have to you have to take your hat off to him. He was uh, you know our SBI man of the match uh, for that for that reason. But he wasn't alone. You had Landon Donovan stepping up and doing what he has done throughout the years. And against Mexico, he loves playing against Mexico. Goal and assist on his part. And Jermaine Jones, a player who. You know, for my money, I, he needed to step up. He needed to have a game, especially with Michael Bradley missing, and the, and especially considering how poorly he played early on in that Costa Rica mm-hmm. game. He really was a key reason they fell behind. So he came out, he answered the bell, he responded, and played like the player we, we, we've been waiting for him to be like, to play like. You know, he's a Champions League player. You know, all we hear about, hey, he starts at Schalke, he plays well for Schalke, He's played. He's got that Champions League experience, but he, he ha, he's been inconsistent on the U.S. team. And it was good to see him step up on the big stage and show why he's considered one of the top. At least by Jurgen Klinsmann says it every time. He considers Jermaine Jones one of his best players. Well, I think it also shows the importance and the value that Michael Bradley has to this midfield because, I mean, against Costa Rica with Jeff Cameron out there and uh, Jermaine Jones, I mean, they, they struggled big time in that game, really defined a rhythm. Costa Rica was all over them. I mean, that was, that was expected in the match home game for them. But, you know, what we saw in this game out of Jermaine Jones was a lot more pointing around, helping players distribute, uh, helping out in transition. His, uh, his Also, I thought his positioning was much better. I mean, he got burned. Uh, in Costa Rica for that second goal when he didn't recover fast enough. So positioning, it was huge. I mean, also Kyle Beckerman, I thought he had a couple bad passes, but overall had a, had a good game for the U.S. men's national team. But I think it shows, Ivis, just how important of a player Michael Bradley is for this team. 
Right. Well, I mean, I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, I think anyone that follows the team should have known by now. He is one of the best players on this team and arguably the most important player on the team. I mean, Landon Donovan said as much uh, after the game on Tuesday. And you know what? It just shows the depth of this team that you could be without the most important player on your team Mm -hmm. and also arguably the best forward on your team in Josie Atador and arguably the best defender on your team in Matt Beasler and still get a result against Mexico. And you had guys step up. You had, like you just said, Kyle Brackman played well. Omar Gonzalez played very well. And Eddie Johnson. Eddie Johnson stepped in for Josie Altador and and delivers that opening goal. So it's a credit to the team, and it's a credit to Jurgen Klinsmann for setting a tone within the team, creating an environment, a a competitive environment, where everyone knows, uh, you know, there's, there's no guarantees on playing time. And you have to make the most when the opportunities come. I thought Omar Gonzalez had the best two-game stretch that he's had against Costa Rica, against Mexico. But I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on this. I, th- I think a few people were surprised to see Fabian Johnson uh, starting at right back. Bedoya also got the start over on right mid slash right wing. What did you see out of their performances? I mean, I thought Fabian Johnson looked okay. I thought he got up the field a little high a couple times, did, did a good job. But I was actually kind of impressed with Bedoya. I mean, he tracked back a lot, helped out with defense, and created a lot of positive energy up top well that's exactly what he did in the gold cup you knew that that's what he gave you especially in the knockout rounds uh, i can tell you when i saw the lineup and look, before the game the day of the game the day before the game just looking at the matchups and looking at the possibilities of a lineup for the u.s i really thought the u.s was going to have some problems i thought they were going to you know i could see them coming away with a tie but i thought their defense would be success- susceptible to the to the mexican attack uh but credit to Klinsman, he put a lineup out there once he made the decision to move Fabian Johnson to the right to right the right back position, he really balanced out that defense, and he and he took the the what was look going looked like it was going to be the team's biggest weakness, and he made it a strength. And yes, Fabian Johnson didn't. It wasn't like he played an outstanding game, but he was solid, and he was he just he brought a quality to that position that you didn't have with Michael Roscoe, and that you know you you might not have had with Michael Parkhurst as a starter. But hey, credit to Parkhurst, he comes yeah. off the bench at halftime. Uh, for for the injured Fabian Johnson, and he played well. He played well. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is not getting any time in Germany, but he still comes out and puts in a solid 45 minutes, and, and that's you, you have to take your hat off to Michael Parkhurst. Well, also add in mixed discrude in there. I mean, it just seems like Jurgen just has the magic touch with these guys coming off the bench. I mean, how long was Mix in there for? 30 seconds before he provides that assist that, that Clint Dempsey gets a touch on, Donovan scores. Like you said, Parker's had a good game too. I mean, it's amazing to see that the, the decisions Jurgen makes to bring guys off the bench and bring them on into games, I mean, it seems to be paying off almost every single time. Uh, without a doubt, and that's not an accident. It's uh, it's not you know coincidence. It's definitely the, the work that he's put in to, to cultivate his roster and his player pool. I mean, he's given a lot of these guys opportunities at different points in the year and also, a quite you know, all these guys have played in important situations before. Mix this group comes off the bench, makes that key play. He's someone who's ha- had to do that before, as we remember in the Gold Cup final. He came off the bench to replace an injured Stu Holden, and he, he ended up being the man of the match in the Gold Cup final. So he he's a guy, you know, he's just another one of these guys who who steps up. Kyle Breckerman, perfect example. I know. So again, there's still those folks out there who do not rate him, who do not think he's an international caliber midfielder. But you know what? He got the job done. In the second half, I thought he was really good. I thought he really helped settle, uh, keep things composed in the middle. He did the job, and that's all you can ask for. So, yes, credit to Klinsman and credit to that bench for continuing to step up. Well, let's talk about the team on on the other side of of the ball, Mexico. They're struggling right now, Ivis. I mean, they have a chance where they might finish fourth in hex qualifying, which means they're going to have to travel to New Zealand for a home-and-home series. 
Mexico right now, Ivis, how bad of a situation is it when there's still a possibility that they might not even qualify for the World Cup? What can they do to right the ship? Well, I can tell you, if, if anyone had the answer, they'd have a job right now as, as Mexico head coach, and they are looking. Uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, when you think about the talent on that team, and think about just two years ago, that team won the Gold Cup, tore up the U.S., and then a year later won the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. they, Mexico was on cloud nine as recently as a year, year ago. And, and things just have not been clicking. You got, I mean, whether it's Chicharito Hernandez not, not being informed, uh, some of the midfielders not being informed, uh, the defense being in a bit of transition, it's just, it's just not working. And it's really mind-boggling because they have talent. When you look at their team, you look at the players they have on that team, and then you look at teams like Panama or even Honduras, like I don't know how anyone could argue that Mexico has more talent than these teams, but they just haven't gotten it done on the field. And the worst part is for them at home, I mean, Azteca used to be a fortress that no one could go into mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and even think of getting a point, let alone a win. And now they've gone four games at Azteca, four qualifiers, and they haven't won a single game. They're 0-1-3. They just lost to Honduras at home. And, and all of a sudden, Azteca is no longer the, an intimidating place. I mean, people in the region know that they can go into Azteca now and push Mexico around. And now because of that, Mexico, find, they, they find themselves in a, what, for my, my money, is a must-win game against Panama. If they lose that game to Panama, they're done. They're toast. That's, there's no other way to put it. They have to win that game. And they should win it. I mean, nothing against Panama. Panama could absolutely pull the upset. But Mexico... In a do or die game mm-hmm. at home at Azteca, like I'm sorry, I just don't see how they. I, I don't see them losing. I see them winning this game, uh, and because they have no other choice. So I, I don't know who the coach is going to be. Uh, I don't know who who the players they're going to pick are. I don't know who those are going to be. But I just don't see how they lose at home. And if they do, it. it, it I mean, I don't even want to think about yeah. what what what's going to happen. What's going to go on in Mexico? Uh, and you know what? I know U.S. fans are are enjoying it. I know they're they're reveling in it. But for me, it's really I, – I think it's worse for the U.S. if Mexico doesn't make the World Cup. You want Mexico there. You want them in the World Cup because at the end of the day, they have the talent to do well in the World Cup. And it helps the region if teams in CONCACAF do well at the World Cup. And I know U.S. fans don't want to hear that. They just want to see Mexico fail. That's totally understandable. I'm not telling anyone to think otherwise, but I'm giving you the opposite – I'm giving you the other perspective. And, and, when, and you have to look at it that way. You, would you rather have a Panama in the, in the World Cup who, for my money, I just don't see them doing anything at all? Or do you want a Mexico who maybe could put it together, straighten things out, and actually represent the region well, and maybe help you know help Concacaf get a full four spots at the next World Cup? I agree. I, I'm always been an advocate of that same same philosophy. I mean, you want your teams and your conference to do well because it makes the team that you like look just a little bit better. That there's be- that the competition's tougher in, in your division, conference, country, continent, whatever it is for any sport. Um, right now, Mexico has one win. Panama has one win as well, too. Uh, the teams are going to be playing against each other, like you said. October 11th, Mexico versus Panama. And then the following game for Mexico, uh, they're going to be on the road in Costa Rica. However, though, Costa Rica has already qualified. Right now, on top of them all, in third place is Honduras, which is looking pretty comfortable, Iveson. I mean, they have a uh, more favorable schedule coming up. I mean, they're taking on a Costa Rica team that's, that's already qualified, and then they're going to be taking on Jamaica, which is already out so i mean for mexico ivis there is a strong possibility that that fourth spot they're going to finish in that fourth spot depending on how on how honduras does but i mean honduras should easily take that third mexico i mean they're gonna be playing for that fourth which makes it even more difficult that they have to travel to new zealand for a home and home yeah i mean 
honestly, at this point, it looks like that's what it's going to be. I mean, I really don't see Honduras collapsing to the point that they're going to fall out of that third place spot. Uh, I mean, I, I know Jamaica has a new coach. I know they they did pretty well against Costa Rica to get a point, but I I, I just don't see it. I just don't see Honduras not uh, holding on to that third spot. And if they do, that's going to leave Mexico uh, in position to take that fourth spot, but they still have to get the job done at home. I think if they win in Azteca, that will be enough to get them through. Um, yeah, you know, because at the end of the day, both they and Panama are going to be playing teams that are out, that have already qualified for the World Cup on the final match day. Um, you know, you're going to have Panama playing the U.S., and you're going to have Mexico playing Costa Rica. Uh, and then those matches, those teams are probably going to be feeling weaker, uh, you know, weaker sides. I mean, mm-hmm. the U.S. is going to be probably feeling an MLS team, uh, a team mostly of MLS players. Uh, and Costa Rica, from, uh, from what I understand, I mean, I, I don't see them having a Brian Ruiz or Joe Campbell uh, playing in a, a meaningless qualifier. I mean, maybe they could. And, I, you know, I had some folks in Costa Rica tell me there's no one we hate more than Mexico. If we have the chance to knock them out of the World Cup, we'll do that. That's all well and good. You might want to do that. But, look, I mean, I don't know if these European clubs are going to let these guys go for these meaningless games. Oh, man, I, think about that. Let's just say Mexico and Panama, you know, they play to, you know, scoreless draw, 1-1 draw, 2-2 draw on October 11th. If Panama defeats... The United States, and let's say that, and and they win two zero, and Mexico defeats Costa Rica one to zero. Panama's in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be a lot of people on at October fifteenth. The Panama and Mexico tie. They're going to be hoping, and I know it sounds weird, for Panama to beat the U.S. because it technically could eliminate Mexico from the World Cup. Well, it's funny enough that is the possibility. You have that scenario where the U.S. with a loss could end up eliminating Mexico, and you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some U.S. fans who will take that trade off, uh, especially since the U.S. will already have qualified. They don't need the game per se. Uh, but uh, as I said before, I think it's better for Concacaf if Mexico makes the final. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, it's. I'm sure it's hard for U.S. fans to look at it any other way but to want to see Mexico fail. Mm-hmm. I, and so that, you can't even argue the point. I would not try to argue it. I'm not going to try to tell anyone to think otherwise. I'm just saying, for me personally, looking at it objectively, I don't think in the broader scheme of things, it's good for Mexico. It's good for the U.S. if Mexico is out. And, and it's funny, you hear Jurgen Klinsmann uh, talk about it. Jurgen Klinsmann absolutely 100% believes Mexico is going to qualify. He said, you know, he was like, they're going to win their next games. And if they don't do that, they're going to get to the fourth place and they'll beat New Zealand. Like, he has no doubts. He doesn't want to believe that, you know, because you know what? At the end of the day, right, if, if Mexico is out, and as you said, if the U.S. goes to the World Cup, it, 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 the region is going to lose a little respect if Mexico is not there because you're going to have an, another upstart like Panama. Costa Rica does not have that international cachet. And then you have USA and these two teams that, that just don't have, the, for me, necessarily the, the, the weapons to make a real impact at the World Cup. I mean, I think Costa Rica could be a little bit of a surprise, um, but you want Mexico there. Um, although U.S. fans, I, I, I don't blame you guys. I don't blame you guys. If you want to, yeah, see but I see, but I, I don't buy into that. I, I, which I think is stupid. I mean, anyone who votes for, I, I look, in, I, I get it. I get that you don't want Mexico to do well, but having another strong team in our region makes us look good, makes us look better. It provides us with better competition. We, we want that. And, and like you said, no, no offense against the Costa Rica or Honduras or Panama, but they don't have the star power 
or the name recognition that the Mexican national team has. When we look at those games in October, Ivis, with the U.S. qualifying, we talked about how important it was for the U.S. to qualify because then those games in October, Jurgen can call in a different type of lineup, maybe some younger guys, maybe cap tie some guys, John Brooks. Um, but what could we see from the U.S. with this? I mean, could we see guys like Aaron Johansson getting extended time, Terrence Boyd, Jack McInerney? I mean, who, who could we see maybe, I know it's a long ways away, but but just some thoughts of, of guys that we could possibly see feature in those matches in October. Well, listen, I know U.S. fans want to see the guys you mentioned, right? I know they want to see these guys, but I don't know how realistic it is because at the end of the day, a lot of the guys you mentioned, they play in Europe, right? And those clubs in Europe know that the U.S. have already qualified. They know the games in October are meaningless. Are they going to want their guys flying in to play in these games that don't mean anything? And through the years, you've basically had it be where the guys don't come. The top European guys do not come for these games. Um, uh, so, you know, who's to say you're going to have a John Brooks get cap dive or Iron Johansson come and be available? I mean, I don't know if Azad, you know, if Alkmaar, how crazy is Azad going to be about their lead striker coming, traveling all the way over here to play in games that don't matter at the end of the day? So I, I don't know if we should necessarily assume that you're going to see a team full of young European-based players. I don't think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see MLS players. Uh, maybe some Mexican players sprinkled in, but that, I think that's what you're going to see. And so, yeah, you know, maybe there'll be some MLS guys who maybe haven't had a chance just yet. Uh, I think that's going to be the way you go. I mean, if Klinsman, if Klinsman finds a way to get some of these European teams to release players uh, in October for games that don't really matter, I, 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 all credit to him. But I tell you what, that's easier said than done. And 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 I just to clarify, mm-hmm. look, yes, it's a FIFA date, so. <laughs> By literal rule, teams have to let these players go. But we all know how it works. There's all kinds of cajoling going on. There's all kinds of backroom dealing going on. And and you can bet your you can you can bet you can bet that these teams will let Jurgen know right like pretty early on. Look, we we don't want to let we don't want our we don't want our guys to go. Sunderland's not going to let Josie go. Um, you, you, Tim Howard, Everton, he's going to stay put. Even Brad Guzan and Aston Villa, he's going to stay put. I think Nick Romando starts in, in goal in these qualifiers, and, and that's what you're going to see. And you know what? MLS, I think, is at a point now where you can still put a different – you can put yeah. a very, very strong MLS team out there. Uh, I mean, and even guys who are starters, Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Matt Beisler, um, Kyle Beckerman, right there. I mean, that's your – you got a nice core. Eddie Johnson. I mean, you, you Graham can Zuzzi. put – Graham Zussi, you can put a strong team out there of just MLS guys and sprinkle in some Mexican League guys. And I know that's going to disappoint some people, especially the ones who want to see Aaron Johansson and John Brooks and makes this Groot. Or for me, Eric High, someone who at some point should get a look. <laughs> but that's just how it's, that's how it's been, and, that's why, and I, think it, I think that's how it's going to be. I thought Jurgen does an experiment, Ivis. Well, he can experiment now that the team's qualified. He can do it. He can do all, he can do it all sorts of stuff. Well, Ivis, since this is a very special SBI show, where all we're going to do is just talk U.S. men's national team. We'll be back again later this week, everyone who's listening, uh, to talk about MLS, all the news, and, and just other other relevant news. But but uh, we just want to keep this one USA Mexico U.S. men's national team related. Before you end the show, we need to do the SBI Q and A part. As always, everyone can send your questions in on Twitter. Just do hashtag ask the SBI show at any time. You could do it at 3 in the morning. You could do it at 8 in the morning. Eastern, Pacific, doesn't matter. Ivis and I always go through Twitter. We read them over. We answer the questions. First question comes from Brandon at rockchalk underscore 10. 
Uh, the question is, does this U.S. men's national team win answer some questions about depth, or are we blowing it out of proportion? Uh, I don't know. How do you how do you blow it out of proportion when you have when you had so many guys step up once again in a big game? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you have to at a certain point you have to give uh, give some credit and say there is depth now. There's more depth arguably than there's ever been, and and the players have been saying that over and over, <clears throat> and the players have been proving it over and over. I mean, just look at you know some of the things you've had to deal with, whether it's Stuholder's injury in the Gold Cup final or the suspensions leading up to this Mexico game when you had three four guys who could be starters all out and and them still not miss a beat. I mean, I, I, I just look at it across the board and, you know, whether you have, a, you know, Josie Altidore is your lead guy, but you have an Eddie Johnson who can mm-hmm. who has shown he can he can step up. Uh, Kyle Breckman stepping in for, for Michael Bradley. Uh, Clarence Goodson stepping in for Matt Beesler. I mean, all the, all the way around, you see it. And look, it's not perfect, right? There's not depth at every single position. But, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann is, is made do. You know, he put Fabian Johnson at right back. He made that happen. He he put in Alejandro Bedoya, who you know is one of the players that, for my money, has really had his stock. His, I mean, just think about it. I mean, when you at the beginning of the year, we're talking about a guy who you didn't know what he was going to do. He had the, the, the whole situation at Rangers. Uh, you know, he had he didn't get he didn't get a chance to play there. They had their own issues, and and then you know he he goes to Sweden. He plays well there, and he plays great in the Gold Cup. Now he's playing in France in the French First Division. So I mean. That it's just think about the depth that you have there and the type of players that I mean, you can honestly you can make a second team right now that that would not be a terrible team. So so I think, yes, the the depth thing, the depth is a real strength now. And it's not it's not blowing it out proportion. It's not a figment of anyone's imagination. It is real. Next question comes from Nicholas Prokop with Mix's quality play off the bench t- uh, against Mexico. Do you think he has solidified a place on next year's final 23? I don't know where people get this whole idea that one game here or there puts you on the World Cup team. That's And especially eight, ten months out. It's not happening, folks. The same, Just like when people were talking about Chris Wondolowski booking his place with, with, a, with a hat trick in the Gold Cup. That's not how it works. He, did he help his cause? In the overall pecking order right now, yes, he did that. Has he done that with some good performances here and there, like the Gold Cup final? Yes. Mixed and screwed has helped increase his stock right now. But did right now has nothing to do with the World Cup. It's about right now, and it's going to be that way all the way through to the end. So, no, he has not solidified his place. He has helped his cause in the radar, in the the pecking order on the depth chart he has done that but no there is no ticket to brazil with mixed screws name on it or many or any other player's name on it so let's just stop with that kind of talk he's helped himself he looks good he looks like a real promising player uh and and i i would love i if you ask me do i project him on yeah i project him on i think he could be there but nothing he has done yet has put him on the team Next question comes from Lucas Jackson. Do you think Dempsey is too inconsistent to be captain? Would JK be reluctant to sub him out because he is captain? I, you know what? I'm glad you asked this question because I just don't get it, right? I, it, it's it's a little mind-boggling to me. Has Clint Dempsey been the best player on the U.S. team the last few games? No. It, does that all of a sudden mean he's not a captain or not worthy of being captain or not one of the best players on the team? Absolutely not. I mean, guys, the, he carried this team carry this team in the last in the last round of qualifying he had he had some really strong games in the earlier part of the hex 
where do people get this idea that once you, do, you have a few games, one or two games where you're not dominating, where you're not scoring goals, all of a sudden you're inconsistent. Like there's no one that just does it every single game on the international level for like years at a time. It doesn't happen, folks. Dempsey has put in way too much work, scored way too many goals, even in this just this qualifying cycle. For anyone to sit there and say, oh, he shouldn't be the captain because he, he hasn't scored a goal in a few games. He's, first of all, he scored a PK against Costa Rica on Friday, and I know it wasn't a great PK, but he still took it. He still stepped up and took it. He hit the post on another shot. He got a foot on the ball that Landon Donovan scored on. He's still involved. He's still making plays. He's still, even when he's, quote, unquote, not playing well, he's still making things happen. And that just shows you the quality of a player that he is. It, it, the, you know, you don't you can't just measure him at, strictly on goals assists and if he's not giving you those every single game something's wrong that's not it at all folks it's just unrealistic to expect attacking players to give you a goal every single game and assist every single game just doesn't happen all right so he's done that before yes he's he's gone on those runs where he's been the only guy who can score a goal and i I just think people are putting way too much thought into this, into you know, the, a couple of games where maybe he wasn't at his best, and I can hear it already. There's are there's going to be some talk. Oh, you know, he's he's an MLS now. Yeah. His form's going to drop. His game's going to. He's not going to be as sharp because he's playing in MLS. I'm sorry, folks. That is an absolute reach, and I just think that's coming from people who just already have that you know pre predisposition to 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 crap on MLS and to think MLS isn't a league where you can play well. Because guess what, folks? Landon Donovan is playing the best soccer of his life, and guess where he's playing? He's playing in MLS. So that, that has nothing to do with it, all right? Clint Dempsey, has he had some of his best games lately? No. Does that mean he shouldn't be the captain? Absolutely not. That's true. Well, look at the other guys. Omar Gonzalez, looking good. Clarence Goodson, MLS. Great. Omar, Susie, yeah, looking good. I mean, I mean look at all the guys back. playing MLS. People need to shut up. The, ML- I guess the MLS haters, they'll, they'll always be there. They'll, they'll, they'll is, convert... It, They'll convert like 10 years, 15 years from now. Then they'll be like, oh, I was watching MLS, but, you know, they'll be those people. I don't know, man. I think there's always going to be some people who, who look at look down on the league and, and think somehow, you know. I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you there are people who look at Clint Dempsey differently now because he's an MLS. And they, they're expecting him to, to just not be as good. And, I, and you know what? That's, that's, that's not having a lot of respect for Clint Dempsey. Okay? Because we're talking about a guy who, I mean, not many people work, work harder than he does. But you know what? It's not going to be there every single game. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I like how short a memory well, do people have. I, I I mean seriously, last year, I mean he was literally the only guy that had, who, who scored the goal in Honduras. Who was the only guy who could put the, the ball in that down in Honduras? Clint Dempsey. Who scored the goal in Guatemala last year? Who's I mean how many goals did he score? Here, here, wait wait here here it is here it is. I have it. For, I have it for you. And in 2014 World Cup qualification, Dempsey has eight goals. Eight goal score total. I mean, there's not many guys ahead of him when you look at the list. Not many others, and he's ahead right. of a lot of big time names it's too. Just, it's just I don't know, man. I, it, it's just mind boggling to me, man. That's it. You, listen, folks, don't you, like. And you know what it is. What it boils down to. I, I and this is my opinion now. My theory. My theory is that they're just people who don't like certain players. And as soon as a player that they don't like shows some signs of vulnerability or weakness. Mm-hmm. They jump on it. They pounce. You know, there's some absolute trolls out there. I mean, they, I just banned a <laughs> troll the other day who's I mean, he put like 100 comments on our website just crapping on Clint Dempsey and how terrible he is. And I'm like, OK, number one, are you a U.S. fan? Are, are you a U.S. fan? Because if you're a U.S. fan, how do you hate on a guy who's done as much as Clint Dempsey has done? How do you do it? And what? Because he had a few bad games. That's just I mean, there's you know what? At the end of the day, there's always going to be some terrible people 
who are, who are terrible fans who you know what they, they they're just they just see things in a weird way but I, just talking sensibly folks i'll say no clint dempsey should not lose the armband because he doesn't have because uh, he has a few games that aren't outstanding, amazing nine out of ten games. Like, relax, folks, relax. Next question will the the comes from Mike Brenza. This is the Homer question of the day, Ivis, because this guy's from Columbus, Ohio. He asks, where does this game rank among the other qualifiers in Columbus? Well, I have been to three. I did. I wasn't. Th- I wasn't there in two thousand one at the at the original Guerra Fria, the freezing cold game in February of oh one. Uh, I was not there, so I can't speak to that game. But I was there in 2005 when the U.S. clinched uh, their World Cup spot with a, with a 2-0 win. I was there in 2009 when uh, an absolute monsoon <laughs> rained down on Columbus and nearly blew away the media tent, uh, you know, where, where we were watching the game. Uh, I was there, and, and both, the, both times the crowd was amazing. The energy was just nonstop. Um, but I got to say, man, I think this is, the, this, this is the best of the bunch. This was... For me, the best of the bunch, just from beginning to end, uh, when you talk about percentage of U.S. fans there, uh, it, it was the highest percentage, like the least Mexican fans that I've seen inside the stadium for a game uh, of this of the three that I've seen. Uh, just the I mean, the overall energy, you know, obviously the, it helped that the weather was was clear and it wasn't cold. It wasn't a monsoon. It was just hot. Uh, so it worked out perfectly. I, you know, you could I know there's some complaints about the whole. Uh, mic'd up capo thing and the monitors being used to to lead crowd chants. Listen, you know what? That wasn't ideal, right? I mean, that. Hopefully, there were some lessons learned about that, and we don't see that again. But that did not take away from what was still an amazing overall performance by the fans and the crowd and just the whole atmosphere. So for me, yes, it was the best that I've seen. Next question comes from Simon Twaits with the USA through. Uh, who do you think the other Concacaf qualifiers ultimately will be? Well, we know Costa Rica's in, mm-hmm. and I, as I said earlier, I don't see Honduras collapsing. I think they have too much quality uh, to not uh, get the points they need to, to qualify for the next round. That leaves Mexico and Panama, and you know, I, I I just don't I just don't see Mexico losing in a must win game at home. And I know, hey, the Honduras game was kind of almost a must win also, and they managed to lose that one. But look, Honduras is better than Panama. I, you know, Panama's got some nice players on their team. They got some pretty good attackers that can create problems, but when you talk about one through eleven, top to bottom, they are not as strong as Honduras, uh, in my opinion. And I just, I just don't see it. I just, I, I, maybe I just don't want to believe it. Maybe I just can't, because I can tell you what, folks. If, if, if Mexico loses at Azteca to Panama, uh, that's going to do it. That's it. That'll be a wrap because mm-hmm. it'll take. I, I just, I just think at that point, it's going to take too much for them to recover and not finish fifth. So I don't even want to imagine what. <laughs> Azteca would be like if that happened. I mean, they would tear the place down. I mean, I and I, I just it's it's just scared to think about. As I've said earlier, I want to see Mexico make it. I think it's better for the region. Uh, and, and hey, as, you know, obviously speaking as a journalist, there's more storylines of Mexico's there. You know, there's the possibility of another USA Mexico uh, round of sixteen match. I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to? Who would not want to see that? And hey, I was there. I was in Korea in 2002 for USA Mexico. Another two zero. And, and and you know what? When you beat them there, there's nothing else anyone can say. And, and you know what? It would how great would it be if that happened again? So that's how I look at it. So I say Mexico gets through. Next question comes from Danny Thompson. We are qualified for Brazil now. Are we making the semifinals? Hashtag no, really. 
Semifinals is probably a little ambitious, I think. Quarterfinals is is absolutely possible. It's absolutely doable. And look, it's all about the draw, right? It's all about what the path is to get you to where you want to go. Um, because, you know, if you end up stuck in a round of 16 matchup against, you know, Spain or the Netherlands or Germany, then, yeah, it's going to be Brazil. It's going to be Brazil. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough. But, you know, you could end up in a round of 16 against Mexico or, uh, you know, somebody that you can you can handle yourself against. Uh, you know, people will still remember uh, 2010 and, and facing uh, a Ghana team that you, you want to uh. think you could have beaten and that they you know what? Maybe if some you know things bounce here or there, maybe they could have beat them. Um, so, uh, of course, semifinal I don't see. It. I'm sorry, I, I just too much would have to go right. Too much, and I tell you what, 2002 was the year. Two thousand people don't remember, but 2002, U.S. beats Mexico to get to the quarters. Mm-hmm. They play the game of their lives against Germany, uh, one of the be- best games that I've seen a U.S. team play in person. And they lose 1-0, questionable, uh, no call on the handball on the penalty line by Mr. Torsten Frings, as we remember. Uh, if if they beat Germany, which they almost did, they played they played as well as Germany that day, then you're playing South Korea in the semis, and anything would have been possible. That could have been the dream in 2002. And hey, if the draw goes the right way, maybe the U.S. can put together another deep run. But I think people should look at the quarterfinals as as a realistic and reasonable goal for the team. Next question comes from Lee Hall. Has Goodson made his way into the starting lineup? I think he's definitely made an argument. He's made a case for himself that he's in that conversation. And I don't think anything's changed on that front. I think it's been pretty clear that, you know, you have him in that mix. Um, but as, as far as guaranteed starter in an important game, let's face it, the next the next game that matters is going to is not till the World Cup. So it's going to be tough to see just who Klinsman likes. And for my money, I still say Matt Beesler and Omar Gonzalez is the pairing as good as Goodson and Gonzalez look together against, against Mexico. I still think, I, I still say Beesler, I still say Beesler Gonzalez works, uh, works best as a tandem. Well, it's, it's also comforting to know that you have Goodson on the bench. I mean, he's looked good in all of his performance as of late. He has, I got to give it to him. He's been sharp. He's been, he's been absolutely sharp. So you can't really go wrong right now. And that's the thing. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I mean, when you remember back when Klinsman uh, left Carlos Bocanegra out and there was a lot of kind of up, uproar about how do you leave him out? We don't have many other options. And you look at it now, you got a lot of options center back all of a sudden. I mean, none of, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, Vincent company type, like, you know, <laughs> million, multi-million dollar center backs. No, but these guys are, pretty solid and you have and you have a pretty good number of them now when you have Beaster, Gonzalez, Goodson and Jeff Cameron that's a solid foursome. John Brooks is not cap tied yet. We're not, not even going to talk about him. I'm going to I'm just going to say it right now folks. Wait, hold your breath on John Brooks. We don't know what he's going to do. He hasn't made a decision yet. So just think about the guys who are already committed. All right, this that perfectly leads into our final question from Troy LaFleur. Why didn't Klinsman cap tie Brooks with the game out of reach Friday night? Well, honestly, I think it, it it comes down more to Brooks than the Klinsman. You know, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if, if Brooks was ready to be kept tied. And that's the thing people need to look at. I, the way I see it, if Brooks wanted to be in that game, Klinsman would have put him in the game. I honestly think that. So I think if anything, you know, Brooks uh, did what he wanted to do. He wanted to come in, be with the team, experience what it's like to be around the team, and then they'll, and then ultimately make a decision. There is no rush, right? There is no as much as I know. Everybody, every U.S. fan wants him cap tied yesterday. 
Um, which, I mean, he's a young player, an extremely talented young player playing in the Bundesliga. He's got his whole life and career ahead of him. Like, don't, don't, you can't push him. You have to let him make his decision on his own due time. And, and just looking at it, uh, it's not hard to imagine that, that Klinsman talked to him and he wasn't ready to get to cap side yet. And you got to respect that. Uh, Klinsman's not going to push him. He's not going to f- give him an ultimatum because, again, he's young and there's no reason to rush him. You don't need him anytime soon in a game. You know what? If he keeps developing, maybe a year from now, hey, he's on the, on the World Cup team. But for right now, I, I would say it wasn't Klinsman. I, I'd bet anything that it was Brooks not wanting to be capped out yet. Well, Ives, that wraps up the very special SBI show, just USA, Mexico. And uh, and we made it through my Frankenstein recording setup. So, uh so yeah, we have, we actually have a show to publish, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I want to hear it. I'm looking forward. I, I just I will tell folks as we as as he Garrett has mentioned, you know, that this is not on our our grade A equipment. So if it sounds like uh, Garrett's talking in the dungeon or <laughs> or, or I'm uh, you know in a phone booth, uh, you know, you understand why. And hopefully you can bear with us as we uh, you know straighten some things out and 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 look to improve in the coming shows. But you know, we're the the, the most important fact is we are back. We're we're back and we're we're hopefully going to get this thing rolling again, getting our guests again and, and giving you guys a regular schedule of shows. And I tell you what, it was, I'd say Garrett, it, one of the great things about these trips, uh, going to Costa Rica, going to Columbus, mm-hmm. is meeting folks who listen to the show. And we have, you know, we've got a pretty good uh, good army of listeners now who who are out there and who want to hear the show, and we uh, and that means a lot. So it definitely makes us want to do the show. And I got to say, as much as Garrett uh, struggled with his computer computer and and fell asleep last night <clears throat> oh my uh, gosh dude okay first off first off you were like you were like let's record at three eastern which was midnight for me i texted you at twelve thirty, you know a.m my time which was three thirty for you and then you didn't text back till four thirty. it was like one thirty in the morning for me i mean come on you know that i, I need I my sleep you. <laughs> i messaged you i messaged you on on uh on skype and got no answer but uh, but my point was Garrett really wanted the show. He really wanted to have the show. He worked desperately to have a show. Yeah. I think I thought he, I thought he was gonna like buy a couple of like burner cell phones and, and and MacGyver his way into another show. But he did it. He fixed his computer. We're working it out now. Not perfect yet, but it'll we'll be back to we'll be back to full strength. Well, I can't you know. I can't take full credit. My mom is like an IT genius, so she's the one that saved my computer. But if anyone's listening and you work for you know like Sony or Dell and you just want to send us some recording equipment, we'll give you a shout out. We'll produce a really good show. So <clears throat> if you're interested, let us know. Uh, stop begging! Stop begging! <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, Ivis, I'm going to let you catch up on some sleep, man. I know you've been been cr- crazy schedule the last week for you. Absolutely, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up uh, one of my Gold.com columns. Oh yeah, congratulations! Thanks a lot for those of you who haven't heard. I have joined Gold.com. I will be the, the uh, Gold.com's lead writer and columnist, and also working as their deputy content manager, uh, which is you know just helping get that 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 group together and. And looking to kick some butt on the uh, the coverage of American soccer, so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, nothing changes on the SBI front. Uh, SBI will keep on rolling. Uh, I am trying to build a bigger staff of writers, uh, so we have put the word out. We're looking for writers and editors. So if you're listening and and you have a writing background of some kind and you're interested in writing, let us know. Reach out, email us, or t- or tweet us, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're looking for some people. So uh, you know. Uh, 
we got a lot, a lot of stuff going on right now. And we're looking for good writers, not people who just want to bug the crap out of Ivis on GChat. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, hey, hey, good I tell you writers. What, you don't have to start out, out as a good writer, but you have to have a foundation, uh, somewhat of a foundation in journalism. It isn't enough that you played soccer, and I and, and I have to stress that you know, and nothing. And, and look, I re- I appreciate when people reach out. I appreciate that people that love the sport played the sport and and they want to have some connection to the sport. I get a lot of people who reach out and say, you know what, I've never written anything before, but I love the sport and I know the sport. And I respect that, but you know what, that's not enough to be a writer. It takes a lot more to be a writer than knowing the sport. You know, I mean, that, it's just not, that's just how it goes. And uh, that being said, you know what, we take young writers and we make them better. That's what we do. We've had a, 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 an assembly line of writers come through SBI and, and move on to bigger and better things. We just, uh, we just had an alumnus of ours uh, take a pretty big position that I won't uh, I won't reveal right now, but uh, it'll be coming out pretty soon. So we've got people all over the industry. So if you want to get if you want to make your way in this industry as a writer, and you're looking for a place to kick things off, give us a call. That announcement's me. Uh, Ivis is being modest. I'm actually joining Alexi Laws and Taylor Tolman in the booth for the rest of the qualifiers. So thank you, Ivis. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's that that's taking B team to a new level. <laughs> oh, look at you! This guy guys no, jokes. All right, Ivis. <laughs> well, that wraps up the show, man. Um, everyone listening, thank you once again for being patient and, and dealing with us as, as we figure out our recording setup. Uh, well, I, I guess that's on me. Well, I figure it out. So everyone will be back again. Ivis and I will have a show uh, up on Friday that will preview all the MLS week in action. We'll recap all the news that happened over the last week and, and everything else that breaks and is relevant in the world of soccer. Well, Ivis, um, I'm, 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 I bet... You are happy to be home. I don't know why I'm stuttering when I'm saying that. But uh, but I'll let you go. I'll let you hang out with your family, and I'll let you catch up on some sleep, and I'll talk to you again later this week. All right, man. Thanks a lot. I'll see you then. And as always, everyone, we appreciate your comments, listens, follows, plays, and everything else you do to give us support. This is the SBI Show. Mm-hmm.